real estate investors from Florida, Georgia, and Texas. There's a big online event this coming October that you shouldn't miss. Discover new techniques on how to grow your business and thrive in the middle of the crisis in no time. Just simply go to www.realestateiq.co summit and sign up today. Welcome to the Deal Finding Training Off-Market Leads Edition. Thank you all so much for joining and tuning in. My name is Joseph De La Cruz. I'll be your host for today. So that being said, I also want to call your attention to our new website and community portal. Go to realestateiq.co. Um, I'll just show you that really quickly on my screen here. Um, and what it is, um, is a it's a... Um, a community website, so go to realestateiq.co, it's not .com, click on community, and we've got a lot of groups here, uh, no matter what your interest is within the real estate investing space, if it's more single family, if it's commercial, if you're more interested in um, growing, you know, growing your business, uh, learning how to automate things, we've got basically a group for everyone. Um, highly recommend just uh, check out the group, join the community. It's completely free. You can see here on the community, we've posted some of our upcoming events. We've got commercial real estate 101 tomorrow with some of our partners. Um, these are um, investors who are doing a lot in the commercial space. So that's tomorrow, um, tomorrow evening. We've also got uh, plenty of other content lined up. So definitely check out our, our website and um, join our community there. And uh, you can, potentially find deals, sell deals, and network with other people there. So highly recommend doing that. That being said, uh, this event is brought to you by Real Estate IQ. We are the number one in deal finding. Uh, and what we mean by that is that we provide over 45,000 distressed and motivated seller leads to you every single month across the state of Texas. Uh, we are in two markets in Florida as well and in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and that being said, if we're not in a particular area yet that you are very interested in, well, we are very interested to hear from you as well. So let me know um, in the chat window if there's a particular market, a particular city, um, states, or county that you're investing in. We'd love to see where you are all investing in, and that really helps to dictate where we're going next. Um, and I will tell you, we are planning on being in several other markets this year. So definitely stay tuned, uh, stay plugged into what we're doing by joining our community. And maybe you can also be part of our expansion into new states. Uh, one thing I do always like to share, um, our guarantee is that uh, you will always find a deal with us, with Real Estate IQ and our platform. Uh, we put in a lot of effort to build a community, a platform around uh, real estate investing. So not only do you have the leads, uh, the tools to do the analysis with us, but you've also got everyone you need on your power team from the lending side, the construction side, the, the title, the law, you know, legal aspect of, of things. So when you combine all that together, um, plus all the networking that we, uh, we facilitate, we're fully confident that you can find a deal with us. Um, so uh, I invite you to be part of our community and uh, put that to the test. So a little bit about the company. Uh, we were founded, uh, I think it was five and a half, closer to six years now um, in uh, Dallas. Our co-founders, two co-founders, Steve and Juan Carlos. Uh, Steve being more of a um, 
kind of a, a technology and um, corporate America, um, bringing a lot of experience from that side. And Juan Carlos, uh, having always been an entrepreneur focusing on real estate, they kind of joined forces. And since then, we've been able to grow the company. Um, Becky, based in Houston, is our director of education. Uh, myself, Joseph, uh, I'm more on the product and technology side, and Rodney, um, also in Dallas, uh, overseeing IT and business development there. Uh, but what's cool is we're all, um, we like to call ourselves geeks and nerds in real estate, uh, but the key is that we're all also active in the real estate community, so we're plugged in doing deals ourselves, leveraging even our own tools to help us. Um, and I think that's what makes us a great team is uh, our diverse background, but also at the same time, our interest and current um, role and active role in the real estate world. So a bit more about myself. Um, so as I mentioned, I am uh, more focused on the product side right now, um, but I also oversee the Austin and San Antonio market. I've been investing in Central Texas, doing buy and holds and fix and flips for the past two, two and a half years. Uh, but I spent about six, close to seven years in corporate America, more on the software and engineering side. Uh, and that's what I love to do is bring my background, which is data automation and computer vision into the real estate realm to help other investors work smarter and uh, not harder. So a couple of the photos from my projects. Um, the photo here on the laptop screen here was the first deal I had ever done, negotiated from, you know, done the, I did the marketing, negotiated, uh, did the flip and closed. I got that deal by working uh, the Real Estate IQ list. I was actually, at that time, I was just a client not working for Real Estate IQ. Um, and I was out door knocking. Uh, that was a HOA lean deal that I, I got in Austin. Uh, since then, I've been able to consistently, through partnerships, do um, a lot more deals. Uh, so check out our Facebook page. We just launched it. Uh, we're trying to leverage digital marketing a lot more these days. Uh, just go to fb, as in facebook.com, forward slash New Day Homes TX. Would love if you gave us a thumbs up or a like uh, or uh, subscribe to that page. And if you do that, I'll do the same. I'll... Um, I'll like and follow your business page. I think that's the best way for us to, to help each other out and gain more exposure for our digital marketing. So that being said, um, I do want to acknowledge our sponsors for today. Uh, so we do have um, several sponsors here from the hard money side to uh, coaching to property management. But one thing I do want to say about our sponsors, uh, we're very selective about who we have in our network, in our platform. I can say I've personally done business with about half of these, um, with these vendors and I know them um, quite well. So uh, if you're looking for hard money, you'll see we have three hard money lenders here, Investor Loan Source, Blink Lending and Bay Mountain Capital. Uh, all the contacts for these vendors are in, um, are, will be pasted into the chat window. So you'll get a phone number and email uh, and you can reach out to them directly. I can tell you that the three hard money lenders here are still currently active and currently lending. Um, and don't just reach out to one of them, reach out to all of them. They might have um, unique programs that the others don't. Um, so you definitely wanna network and reach out, um, learn about all of them, not just one of them. Um, that being said, um, with, if you've got uh, retirement funds, a 401k and IRA, and you want to, um, 
invests in real estate through those uh, through those accounts. Quest Trust Company, a fantastic uh, resource for that. I've personally done um, two going on three, three, three deals in my Quest account. Uh, they streamline the process, uh, make it very easy for you to invest in real estate in your retirement account. Then if you're more interested in uh, note investing and also creative financing, um, Eddie Speed with Note School, it's a fantastic resource. Definitely check, check out their program and everything they have to offer. And as far as uh, buy and hold investors, let me know if you're a buy and hold investor in the comments. would love to uh, network with you as well. We do have um, real property management. They've got offices all over Texas. I think they're nationwide, but I know they're in all the major markets in Texas. Uh, that's again, real property management. And then last but not least, Sean with Action Coach. If you're looking to kind of grow your business, uh, you're at the point where you want to uh, scale your business, grow it and um, work on your business, not in your, uh, not for your business or in it. Um, Sean, we can highly recommend his services with Action Coach for that. Fantastic. So thanks Delaney and, and Tony, uh, buy and hold investors. Okay, buy and hold in Oklahoma, cool. Um, and, uh, Tony also buy and hold, uh, what market are you in Tony for buy and hold? Um, Delaney, I, I'll definitely reach out to you. We had one lead for a potential buy and hold, uh, in Oklahoma, but I didn't really pursue it further as I didn't have, um, anyone I knew in that area. So I will reach out to you. Uh, fantastic. Tony Houston. Excellent. All right. That being said, I do want you to hear from one of our um, good clients. I'll just play this testimonial testimonial video for you. All right, guys. I'm here with Jordan at the uh, Drain event, and Jordan just told me he found a lot of success with Real CIQ. So, Jordan, tell us more. So, what we did, we actually took all the data that you was giving us for the low monthly subscription. We took all of that, and what we do is we actually go skip trace and find deals. This month alone, we closed on two deals that actually came from Real Estate IQ. One was for um, fifty-five thousand, the other one was for eight grand. So, hey, we're rocking and rolling. Oh wow! So, how much? Uh, how much have you made with the system? so far? Uh, a lot of money. A lot of money. Even if I didn't make it, I saved it because I had to drop everybody else and I would get my data from because you just offered the most bang for your book for sure. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. So um, if you're interested in learning a bit more about the, the leads that uh, gentleman was talking about, you're in luck. That is the presentation for today. Uh, so we are going to be going through the off-market leads that uh, that gentleman was speaking about. Um, but again, that is just one of the four different products we offer in our platform. We are only going to focus on the off-market leads. So uh, if you want to hear about that in a bit more detail and all the other products we offer, the best way to do that would be through a one-on-one 45-minute -on -one uh, training. So... Uh, again, just to wrap up um, and move on to the, um, the main presentation, uh, the other services we do offer are, uh, are listed here. So today we'll be talking about off-market leads, but we also do have a product called County Data Finder um, that allows you to build a customized mailing or marketing list based on uh, tax roll information. So you could, for example, 
pull up a list of all the people who own property in Texas but don't live here and, um, for example, have also owned the property for more than 10 years, so they've built up a good amount of equity. Third, we do have MLS Deal Finder, which is a great alert system to help you identify when there are good deals on the MLS. And I will say that um, with uh, the shift in the market that we're starting to see, um, really, and I think we're really just at the beginning of that, uh, we're going to start to see more and more good deals on the MLS. But even so, you need to act quick on those and our system will allow you to receive alerts every time there's a good deal on the MLS. Okay, so that being said, let's jump right into the presentation for off-market leads. Um, the first point I wanted to touch on is why off-markets, you know, why don't we just uh, find all our investment deals by networking with realtors, having them send us, you know, de deals that pop up on the MLS. Uh, number one reason for that is uh, to weed out competition. So. Um, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not saying that there aren't any good deals on the MLS, um, but what I, what I am saying is that when there is a good deal on the MLS, you've got a lot more eyes on the deal compared to deals that are not on the MLS. Um, so the best way to get your off-market off deals is to do the marketing yourself, um, or you could have people working on your team to, to work these leads, to go out there find people who are just about at the point where they're deciding, okay, I need to, I need to sell my house. Uh, they haven't reached out to a realtor yet. Um, they're motivated. They need to sell the house. That's the perfect time to get in touch with these people. And the best, one of the best ways to do that, of course, is to target people who have gone through or are currently going through some kind of situation in their life. Uh, that might make them more likely to need to sell the house uh, to get out of a bad situation. So what you're doing is offering your services, uh, the ability to buy the house with whatever problems they come with uh, to get them out of that situation. So some of these situations are things like pre-foreclosure, if someone is behind on their mortgages, uh, on their mortgage, excuse me, um, in various stages of that, then we can target those people um, we can also work on probate leads where uh, maybe we have some heirs who inherited a house, but the house really, a house is a liability if you're not, um, if you're not an investor and you're not positioned properly. So um, what you can do is take that liability, give them the cash and um, find a win-win situation for everyone. So these are the, the leads we offer. There's over 14 different types of motivated seller leads. Uh, we'll walk through each one of them in a bit more detail here. Uh, but what I would like to say is if you see something that you're interested in that is not on the list, definitely let me know in the chat window. We're actually currently working on several other lead types I can't announce just yet. But um, if there's something here that you're interested in that's not here, definitely let me know and I can see what I can do. Maybe we can share some, uh, some information. Uh, before we officially roll out our new lead types. Uh, so let me jump into each of these lead types. And at any point in time, if you've got any questions, um, if you want me to focus, hone in on a specific lead type, let me know. Um, this presentation is meant to be kind of interactive and I'll spend more time on the lead types that, uh, that you're all interested in. So I'll just start though to get the ball rolling by talking about uh, the pre-foreclosure leads. That is um, often the most, uh, the most motivating type of lead uh, 
uh, and really the most common type, uh, barring any kind of major catastrophe or, or pandemic like we're in right now, which has caused the uh, the foreclosures to be temporarily suspended. So as far as I know, just a quick update on that. Um, all FHA, um, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, basically all conventional mortgages are still under um, a moratorium uh, until the end of June. So June 30th, from what I understand. So in other words, there's not going to be any foreclosure auctions, but there still are pre-foreclosure leads um, because, you know, people are still, uh, especially in these times, are not, uh, many of them are not current on their mortgage. It's just that the lender can't actually foreclose on them just yet. But again, that doesn't mean there aren't people out there who are motivated. So, but essentially, um, what the pre-foreclosure list is, we kind of have to talk a little bit about the timeline. Um, so with pre-foreclosure, uh, the timeline of events uh, is as follows. So number one, uh, of course, the person, the, the homeowner is behind on the mortgage payments and the lender provides some kind of notice of default uh, to the homeowner and um, they let the homeowner know that, hey, we're going to accelerate um, this, this note and start the, the foreclosure process. Um, this initial notice to the borrower in Texas is not publicly recorded. So this is something between the bank, you know, Wells Fargo and the homeowner. Um, but, um, and again, that, that's something only the bank and the, the homeowner know. You can predict if this happens by looking at people's credit scores. Uh, that's what we call a modeled list or, um, uh, um, a mortgage late list, uh, which often is actually just a modeled list. Uh, but the first real indication, the first public publicly recorded document falls under step number two here when the lender like Wells Fargo. Uh, goes out and appoints a substitute trustee or assigns uh, or changes the substitute trustee. And the, the idea here is that, you know, Wells Fargo is not in the business of owning homes or foreclosing on people. They're in the banking business. So when, when they have a mortgage that they need to foreclose, uh, a homeowner that they need to foreclose on, they hire someone else to do that for them. So that's what we call the appointment of the substitute trustee and that is a lead that we offer at Real Estate AQ. Uh, so you, can, you could pull up a list of all the people in a particular county who have, whose property has been, um, I guess, whose, um, I guess the, the mortgage on that property has been assigned um, and a substitute trustee has been assigned to that particular uh, mortgage case. So that's when you know the lender is starting to get things in order, in order to foreclose on the person. Um, and then that finally leads to step number three, where uh, the lender, you know, Wells Fargo notifies the borrower that, okay, your house uh, is going to be auctioned away on this day, at this time, at this location. And that needs to be done 21 days in advance of the auction. And that is... Um, required by law to be publicly posted and recorded with the county. So that's what we call the pre-foreclosure lead. Uh, so we have two leads here, the appointment of substitute trustee, which happens uh, most of the time or sometimes before, um, you know, well in advance of the pre-foreclosure, the auction notice, step number three. So in other words, step number two happens um, maybe a couple weeks before step number three. And step number three has to happen at least 21 days before the auction. 
Now, there is a catch here in Texas. Um, step number two and three may happen at the same time. Um, and that's just unfortunate because if, they, if two happens before three, then you have an early lead. Um, if they happen at the same time, then you don't have as much of an early lead. Um, so unfortunately, that's just the way it is. The laws have slightly shifted to allow lenders to act a bit more quicker on their end. Uh, but sometimes the lenders still do two uh, and then wait a couple weeks and then they, they file step number three. So um, those are the ones where you can get an early lead on, um, on a pre-foreclosure and potentially weed out some additional competition. So let me know if you have any questions about pre-foreclosure. Um, what I'm going to do at this point in time is just pull up one of our sample lists for the pre-foreclosure list. Um, and I'll share that with you all right now. So um, what our leads look like, uh, we send out an email to our clients every single day containing the leads from that day. Um, it, it's a cumulative file, so it contains the new leads from that day and also the, all the leads from um, prior to that. What you'll notice for pre-foreclosure, though, I do need to call this out. Uh, you might be wondering why we still have April 2020 under our pre-foreclosure leads, and that is uh, because of the corona um, pandemic. And all, most of the properties that were up for auction in April actually didn't go to auction because of the, um, the moratorium on foreclosures. So we still have them in our system. So if I click on April 2020, you will still see leads from there. And uh, let me zoom in here so you can see it a bit more closely. So what our leads are, um, it's essentially a CSV file that gives you the, uh, the date of the lead, uh, the auction dates, uh, mortgager information, um, stats about the property, you know, bedrooms, bathroom, who the bank name is. Um, one extra bit of research that we do for you is estimating the amount of equity that that person might have in the property based on um, the historical interest rates and the mortgage amounts and terms in the original documents that they signed. Um, but what I wanted to call out to your attention as well, um, of course, if the property is owned by someone who does not live in, in the subject property, we call that a non-owner occupied. So we're also providing that information for you. So if um, it's a non-owner occupied property. We will give you the owner, uh, the name and the address of the owner. Uh, but one thing we are doing, uh, given the coronavirus situation, is uh, you can see if I pull up the June foreclosure list and scroll over to the right, we are providing information to our clients on properties that... Um, were previously filed for auction on. So this is the June auction, and you can see that we've indicated that this particular property uh, was also scheduled for auction back in April. So we're doing that additional research for you. So you understand when you're reaching out to people who are scheduled for the June auction, you know that you know, they had already been in trouble back in April 2020 uh, before the, the shutdown. Uh, and now, you know, they're probably a couple months more behind, um, accrued more interest, more late fees and all that. So we're doing a bit more due diligence for you all in this current situation um, and um, trying to allow you to have a bit more insight when you go talk to the property owners. So, um, Talina, you're asking if, um, 
going back to the slides here, if the appointment of substitute trustee and the um, the notice of the uh, notice of the substitute trustee sale, aka the pre foreclosure lead, if they happen at the same time, yes, there is a way to tell if that is the case, and we do that research for you. So let me pull up the appointment of substitute trustee list. So I'm going to switch my screen again to the email and pull up the appointment of substitute trustee list. And I'll pull up, I'm based in Austin. So uh, let me pull up the Austin list here. Of course, there's not much in the way of leads right now because of the pandemic situation for pre foreclosure. But um, when they, when it does pick up again, you'll start to see a lot more. But what you want to look for, there's a column here that says foreclosure instrument number. So if there's a number in here, then that means that there was also a pre-foreclosure filing at the same time of the appointment of substitute trustee. And therefore, you can say that for this lead, number, step number two and number three happened at the same time. Um, for this, in this case, there's no information. So in other words, this is a true pre-foreclosure pre list uh, or lead because there's no associated um, notice of, of sale, notice of auction date. So basically you just need to filter out this column for all the ones that say no information. And then that's, those are the ones where step number two happened before step number three. So let me know uh, if you have any other questions there on the pre-foreclosure side. Otherwise I will move um, on to the next lead type, uh, probates and affidavit of airship. So these are also very popular lead types. Uh, a probate lead is uh, one in which uh, there was a decedent, someone passed away, uh, but owns real property. And uh, a will was put in place before that uh, decedent passed away uh, to convey the property to the heirs specified in that, in that will. Uh, so probate is basically the term, um, uh, it's a legal term uh, that means, that essentially means it's the process to enact that will uh, so that will has to go through probate. Um, it has to go through the probate courts to make it, um, you know, to make it, to make it happen, basically, to convey the ownership um, of the that property to the heirs. Um, in, um, I, I believe, I don't know if this is a Texas-wide thing, but at, I think it is. Uh, here in Texas, um, if you have a will, but you don't put it through the probate court, the probate process in four years of the date of death, then that will is no longer valid. Uh, and you have to go through another route to convey um, and prove that you are the rightful heir and therefore the owner of that property. That is what we call the affidavit of heirship process. It's also the process you need to follow if there is no will in place when the, uh, the deceased owner pass, um, passed away, uh, then, you know, there's nothing to probate. There's no will to probate. So you can, you need to follow the affidavit of airship process. These are all lead types that are publicly recorded. Uh, so we can pull this information from the probate courts and provide it to you, to our clients. Uh, but one thing we do for you, um, it's actually interesting. Some of the counties here in Texas, they still do not allow you to access this information electronically. So for some counties, we actually still send someone physically into the courthouses to pull the probate files, <laughs> write down all the information, and then we compile that for you. So 
a lot of the work that a lot of the leads we're talking about here today, they are public records information. And I, you know, we won't, uh, we won't uh, cover that up. So in other words, you could go and access them, access them yourself, but it's a lot of work. Uh, in some cases, you have to go physically to the county. So we do that work for you. And on top of that, with probate leads, what we also do is we make sure there is real property associated with the probate lead. Uh, sometimes if you buy a probate list, you'll get people who don't even own real property. So that's, of course, not interesting to us as real estate investors. So we do that work for you to make sure we cross-reference the name, the addresses with the, uh, the tax uh, the tax office and make sure that, hey, this person actually owns real estate. Um, so we do that work for you. Um, one thing to note about probate though, um, it is, of course, it's a touchy subject. Um, you know, we're dealing with um, a death in the family, um, but also uh, it is a bit longer term in general compared to a pre-foreclosure lead. In other, um, you know, to explain that further with pre-foreclosure, um, the leads often have, you know, 21 days before they're going to lose the house. With probate, it could be a bit more of a long drawn out process. The heirs might not be ready to deal with the estate. Uh, although the fact that, it, you know, the fact that there's a court case for, for the probate lead means there is some level of readiness from the, uh, from the heirs, but maybe they're not ready to part with the property yet. Uh, so these are typically longer term leads. It might take a year or so before you can, you know, um, before the heirs are at, at a point where they're ready to sell the property. So this is something you want to work these, uh, be mindful, of course, of the situation and be mindful of the time. It, you might just have months, you know, between your follow up with, with the heirs. But uh, we do know a lot of people who are closing these deals after six months, eight months or even a year. So be patient with the probate leads, uh, but they are a great source of leads for you. Um, next, we do have evictions, which uh, again, in the current, um, current landscape is a bit interesting. Evictions are basically on hold, on pause. Um, so that being said, when things do pick up again, um, I think it will be very interesting to work the evictions list because a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, the landlords are going to be probably worse off than in normal situations, in normal um, in non-shutdown situations, because they will have gone for months now without potentially without having any rent payments, but yet still being kind of obligated on the hook for paying the underlying mortgage. So. Similar to probate leads, eviction leads are ones in which we've scrubbed, uh, we've, uh, we've scrubbed the, dat the data. We've done our, our best to make sure that you're talking to landlords and not the, for example, the property manager, or you're not talking to you know, an apartment complex with 100 doors. Now, they're probably not going to be motivated if they evict one or two tenants. Uh, that's probably every day. Uh, business for them. So we've filtered the list um, to make sure you're, you're generally talking to um, single family or small multifamily property owners who have evicted someone. Let me just double check the Q&A um, here just to see if I'm missing anything. I do have, uh, there is a little bug on my system when I'm in um, presentation, but I pull up the Q&A <laughs> Bubble. So could I get some of our staff, can you paste the question in the Q&A into the chat window um, for me, please? 
uh, and I'll make sure I address that question. So um, in the meantime, uh, let's see. Um, I'm trying the chat window as well. Questions here from Sao. Um, what real assets are available in each case file? Ah, great question. So I assume this was directed to the probate um, to the probate case, or are you referring specifically to the evictions case? Let me know, Sal, if it's uh, for probate or evictions, we kind of have to talk about them a bit separately. Uh, so for probate, we do, um, we do know the, the asset class it is, um, and it's, I won't say it's impossible, but it's, it's very unlikely that we'll see anything other than single family or maybe small multifamily. I have actually never seen multifamily cases. And that's typically, I would assume that's because uh, if the person owned multifamily, they're more likely to be a kind of sophisticated investor. They probably set up a land trust or something and you know, they're not going through the probate process. Um, so I actually have never seen a, a multifamily, even a duplex in a, in a probate case, at least here in, in Austin. Uh, I, there probably are uh, duplexes. Um, but uh, let me pull up the file because we do give you uh, information that you can use to cross-reference and figure out um, the asset class. So let me pull up the probate list. And... Let me zoom in here as well so you can see the... The details. So if you scroll all the way over to the right, um, we don't directly provide the asset class in the file, but we give you the property ID with the county. Um, and what you can do is, uh, depending on the county as well, um, we can also look up all these property IDs and just return the state's property type code. So in Texas, um, a code of A is for single family and B is for multifamily. So we could tell you for a list of all these properties, is it A or B, so single family or multifamily. Um, that's, that's a bit of an, uh, an advanced um, extra service we can do, but at the very least, you have the property ID here, so you could just go to Travis County's, or in this case is Williamson County's website, type in this property ID, and then pull up the, uh, the property type uh, and figure out if it's... Um, single family or multifamily. But again, I would say 95, 98% of these are all single family. Um, I have not seen a duplex here, at least in the markets I'm working in um, Austin, but um, maybe you'll see otherwise in other markets. Okay. Um, the other question we have here, Roy is asking on probate leads, is it better to text or cold call them or send them a letter? Um, <laughs> I... I I've personally, uh, I've only ever tried mailing. Um, I'm a little bit, especially when I get, got started, I was a little bit more wary of getting the, uh, the angry calls coming in. But I know a lot of our clients are doing cold calling and they will deal with um, very strong emotion, emotional responses to those calls. So it's really up to you what you're comfortable with. Um, and, um, you know, I, I personally, I, I think text and, and mailing is the best way. I, I don't want to, especially if it's a very recent uh, probate or recent, uh, uh, recent death, 
I don't want to do a cold call myself, but I know plenty of people who will do that and they close lots of leads by, by doing that. So it's, it's really up to you, your tolerance level and um, what kind of code that you want to stand by on your end. Um, but uh, either way, we can support you. We can, we can provide phone numbers. Um, one thing you might want to do um, that some of our clients do, you'll notice with our probate leads, if I switch back here, you have the attorney's phone number. So if you don't want to call the heir directly, you can call the attorney. And uh, sometimes you might get an attorney who's willing to relay a message um, on your behalf to the heir. Um, so that might be an avenue if you're wanting to avoid calling them directly, you can call the attorney. Okay, um, next, uh, let me know if there are any other questions. Um, you can always ask a question about um, a lead that we've already talked about later on. We can come back to it. But for the sake of time, I'm gonna move on here. So we do have the divorce list as well. Uh, these are leads where a divorce lawsuit has been initiated. And again, real property is associated with the lawsuit. We filter out, you know, because there's tons of divorce cases where there's no real estate involved. Um, so we do that filtering for you. And we will also indicate to you if the property has already been awarded to one of the two, uh, the defendant or the, um, uh, the plaintiff, we will indicate that to you so that you can get in touch with the person who owns the property. Um, so that is the divorce list. Uh, the loan modification list is um, kind of an even earlier stage to the pre-foreclosure list provided that the homeowner did explore that option of, of um, modifying their loan terms. Uh, but what a loan modification lead is, it's someone who has not been able to keep up with their mortgage payment, uh, and they've gone through the process with the bank to modify the terms. Um, in other words, maybe temporarily halt or reduce the payments to the mortgage um, so that they can catch up you know, with whatever hardship situation they're going through. And often what happens is the bank will just take those missed payments. Let's say the, the homeowner missed six payments. They'll just add them on to the back end of the loan um, and then also tack on additional fees and all that. Uh, so that's a very typical situation. Uh, what I will say about the loan modification leads, uh, they are again, a bit longer term. They're not as immediate, not as motivating as a foreclosure lead. Although you can have someone who is going through a loan mod and simultaneously being foreclosed on. Uh, so those are, those are the exception uh, because those people really have um, a kind of a, a dire situation. Uh, but those people who are just going through loan modifications, they are most likely, you know, the fact that they're going through the loan modification means they want to stay in the house. They want to work through the issue uh, and the bank is somewhat willing to work with them as well. So, um, the best approach there is to build that kind of long-term relationship with them and let them know that, you know, there are other options. Let's say the loan modification doesn't work out or they find out, you know, six months down the road that, you know, their situation really hasn't improved that much. Um, you know, at least you will all, they will already have your contact information. It might not pan out right away, but I, uh, there's a potential for a longer term conversion here. And the reason I say that is because um, many of the foreclosure leads that I, I have worked and observed myself, um, they, these people have already previously done a loan modification and yet they're facing foreclosure 
again or you know or for the first time so statistically speaking those people who go through loan modifications many of them just end up in the same situation and unfortunately maybe a little worse because now their mortgage terms are no longer as favorable as they were in the past so uh, these again are um, at least in my book I, I treat them as long-term longer-term leads to work Next, we have code violations. So these are filed at the city level, not at the county level. Um, and what a code violation is, it's essentially some notification that the homeowner has failed to adhere to some kind of rules, rule or standard that the, the city has um, set out in terms of maintenance of the property. So the typical examples are overgrown grass or trash in the yard. Um, broken windows, um, roofs that are caving in. So bas basically anything structural, um, or, um, structural issues or hazards. Um, there is one category that I completely ignore, but you know, when we provide the leads, we provide all the leads to you. Um, there is always a category for work without permit. And I usually ignore that because that doesn't usually correlate to any kind of motivation from the homeowner. It's just usually... They didn't know they needed a permit or it's another investor who's trying to do work without getting a permit. So I usually focus on the other lead types that are either structural or trash um, or garbage related. And every city is slightly different. So the way that you filter the data is going to be specific to the city you're in. The best piece of advice I have for code violations, um, if you cannot get a hold of the city and call them and ask them, you know, explain these code violations to me. What you can do is just drive to the code violations yourself. I've done that when I first started that list. I drove to about 50 of them just to understand how the city kind of categorizes and uh, classifies their code violations. Um, and we do share that information with you. If we have experience, uh, that's already indicated in the file. If we don't have that experience with the city, then the best thing to do is reach out to the city. Um, give them a call and see if they can explain the code violations uh, and categories to you. Next, we do have the tax delinquent list. And uh, when, I talk, when I'm talking about taxes, this is specifically property taxes to the county. This is not um, federal uh, IRS-related taxes. So we have two lead types here. One is people who are just delinquent on their tax, the property tax bill. And number two is the tax foreclosure list. So people who have been delinquent for long enough that the county decides to foreclose on them. Now, uh, the number one question I always get is, <laughs> what's the process for the county? Um, how long does it take before a county will decide to foreclose on a homeowner? <clears throat> Unfortunately, to this day, I still don't have an answer. Every county is different. And uh, the process seems to be that there is no process because I can't figure out any logical um, sign on, on what it is. Is it a number of years or a, an amount of the tax bill that it has to go past before the county will foreclose? Unfortunately, I don't have the answer there. And the counties have not been able to answer that or have not chosen to answer that question uh, in all our interactions with them. But what we do know is that... Um, the delinquent taxes, um, they are good to work um, far in advance of the foreclosure, uh, the tax foreclosure, because once it comes to a point where the property is going to be foreclosed on uh, at the tax foreclosure auction, you usually have a lot more competition. Uh, you've got 
potential for other lien holders to get involved. Um, you know, the tax, the tax lien is the highest lien, so it could potentially wipe out all the other liens on the property, including uh, a mortgage potentially. So um, usually at the time of, uh, of the tax <laughs> foreclosure, it could get a little bit messier. So it's always get good to get involved uh, as early as possible. And that's where the delinquent tax list comes in. What you can do is filter that list for the amount uh, and make sure that we're not talking to someone who just owes $50 in property taxes. You want to talk to someone who owes at least a couple thousand, I would say, in my opinion, um, and who has owed that amount for at least one or two years. If they've only owed it for a year, maybe they're just you know, they just need a little bit more time to get the, the property taxes paid. Um, so I usually wait till they're at about two years of delinquent taxes and over three or $4,000, of course, relative to the, <clears throat> the property value as well. Um, so that's the delinquent taxes side. Um, so yeah, Brittany says there's a city close to where she lives that has been uh, running since 99. There's people who have owed taxes since 2011 and they're still not foreclosed on. Yeah, so I, you know, there is one thing to be said about that. Um, in Texas, if you are over 65 and you have homestead exemption, you can, you can basically defer your property tax payments until you die or until you sell the property. So basically you can leave the tax bill for your for your kids to, <laughs> to deal with. So that's one thing to note. If, if you see the delinquent tax list, you want to filter out the people who have the over 65 exemption because most likely they are just deferring their property taxes. I think they pay 5% interest or something like that. Um, so we've come across that too. So that's one, one good thing to note. So don't waste your marketing dollars and efforts on, uh, on those properties where the homeowners are over 65 and have deferred their property tax bill. Okay, so I think that brings us to the end of the list. There is one more lead type I wanted to mention. Um, we are working on the water shutoff list. Um, so the idea there is that, um, you know, water, running water is pretty essential. If there's no running water at the property for a good period of time, you can pretty much, um, not quite guaranteed, but there's a pretty good shot that it's a vacant property. Um, so we are adding that. We do have that in the major cities in Austin and San Antonio right now. We're moving into Dallas and Houston next. So let me know if there's a particular city that you're really interested in. What we can do is prioritize that and uh, start adding the water shutoff list there. Uh, the cool thing we're doing there is uh, for some of the cities, they do tell us if the water was shut off and whether or not it was reconnected in a certain period of time. So for example, if the water is shut off today, it might not be a truly vacant property. It could just be um, a rental property and you know, the homeowner is just switching between tenants. So the most interesting leads, uh, in my opinion, are the ones where the water was shut off and remains shut off for at least one to two months. Um, could be a bit longer. Um, and that's when you know the property has been vacant for a good period of time. Uh, and those are the ones that I like to focus on. So <clears throat> again, let me know in the chat window if there's any lead types here that uh, you're interested in, we haven't mentioned, or if you have any other questions about these lead types. Uh, Roy is asking um, if you inquire about a property that is tax delinquent 
do you have to pay the taxes? And if you do, do you pay the full amount? Great question. So the seller is responsible, um, you know, provided that you're closing at a title company, um, whenever you transfer title, the title company is going to make sure that um, everything is free and clear. The tax bill is going to come up as one of the first things. So the, as long as the numbers work out, what you want to make sure is that whatever you offer to the homeowner, there's enough in what you offer to cover the tax bill. Uh, because basically, <clears throat> or you, you basically have to make sure that the homeowner has enough funds to pay the tax bill before they transfer title to you. Otherwise, <laughs> you, you could buy the property and, and, and assume the responsibility of the tax bill, but you, know, you never want to put yourself in that position. You want to make sure there's enough, there's enough equity, there's enough meat on the bones for you to do that. And again, you can either have that taken care of before you take over title, or if you do take title and the, the property tax bill is still there, you're going to be on the hook for it and you will have to pay whatever interest has accrued as well. So I've always gone through a title company when closing, so they will make sure that, um, you know, that the right amount is paid. Uh, and when you receive title, it's, it's own free and clear. Um, <clears throat> that being said, if you're talking about buying at the tax foreclosure auction, that is a completely different story. You're kind of buying at your own risk. You could buy the property and find that there's a whole bunch of other liens, um, but the tax lien will not be, you know, you'll know everything about the tax bill because you're buying it at the tax foreclosure auction, right? So um, I'm talking about other liens in the property uh, that you might be uh, assuming when you buy at the tax auction. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.